0: Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships, hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogey. Welcome into the Rising Champions Podcast. Kyle Bokey, Dr. Jason Nowetsky of the Champion Mindset Group and a little bit different episode this week, Doc, as we go ahead and bring in Joe Neal, uh, the owner of 2SP Sports Performance and a guy who is so educated on all the different facets as it pertains to performance, to strength training, to recovery, to dieting. I mean, the athlete today, now in you know 2020, you have to be thinking about so much. And I think, you know, Joe really embodies everything that you need to kind of check off a list if you want to be an elite athlete or a rising champion these days.
1: 100% right, Kyle. Uh, I've known Joe for a long time when he started 2SP and he's kind of a local celebrity uh, in the Metro Detroit area. Cause I mean, anytime you talk about becoming a better athlete, Joe's name comes up and 2SP comes up. So uh, I'm, we're really honored to have him on. I mean, Joe started out working with young athletes and, and gained that reputation where he works with, you know, Major League Baseball players, a lot of the Red Wings train with him. I know Igor Larionov was a big piece of 2SP for a long, long time. Uh, I would say if you're a kid listening right now, get your parents in the room or get them on the headphones uh, because everybody needs to learn – about what Joe is talking about from the mental side, from playing multiple sports to rest and recovery to injury prevention. Um, this episode is just full of information.
0: Well, and the, the earlier you can get started, the better. You know, understanding it, executing some of the things that, you know, Joe and his team, you know, preach and all of that. There's a lot that you gotta think about if you're a young athlete these days. And, and again, getting started early. Uh, is a huge deal. So, you know, this was a, a great conversation. I, we don't even need to waste, uh, you know, any more time, uh, you know, chatting amongst ourselves. Let's just go ahead and get to them. Uh, Joe Neal, again, the owner of 2SP Sports Performance, a fantastic conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it here at the Rising Champions Podcast. Okay, so Joe, I want to start off with a very important question here, okay? I, I'm I'm 31 years old. Outside of walking the dog and playing golf in the last seven months or so since this entire pandemic started, I haven't really done anything physically. So I'll ask you this, would I be able to finish one of your workouts without passing out? Or do you think you might kill me?
2: You know, it was funny because um, today I had a dad in that had, had his son was training with me for a long time, still is. And um, his son was sick one day and he's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to step in. And uh, he peed blood for like three weeks. (laughs) And and here's the thing: like, number one, like I don't even I don't even know the first thing about fitness. To be honest with you, when it comes to just general like keeping yourself into shape, I can barely keep myself into shape. Like I don't even (laughs) write my own programming for that. So as a dad that's got three kids. Like I'm like trying to figure it out. But if you put somebody in front of me that needs to throw a ball faster or run faster, I know all the answers, but, <laughs> you know, as far as that goes, I, I think you would make it. You'd be fine.
0: All right. I appreciate that. Thank you. But
2: that is a funny conversation that I had today.
1: <laughs> That's great. Perfect. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So Joe, we go way back uh, okay. as we were talking about before we started recording um, when you started two SP on the East side of uh, Stevenson in Madison yes. Heights uh, in the old building. In fact, Kyle, not many people know this, but Champion Mindset Group's first office was inside Joe's building. Oh, wow. Okay. We, we rented a, a room about the size of a closet.
0: Four by four. Yeah, four very by four nice.
1: Maybe if that was that epic. Yeah. And I put a little chair in there and a little roll away desk that I think I still have somewhere uh, in my house. And, uh, you know, my partner and I back then started seeing clients uh, from time to time, and uh, we just kind of grew out of that particular building. But Joe, tell us a little bit about the the startup of, of 2SP, what it means, what you guys try to do uh, with athletes.
2: So, uh, I mean, <clears throat> 2SP is actually an acronym. A lot of people don't even know what it stands for. It's, it stands for strength, speed, and power in that order. And, um, you know, I think, you know, in, in 2007, 2008, and really um, a couple of years before that, really, I got going around 2001, um, when I was still in college, uh, there was just a big space for performance training. It really didn't exist and nobody knew what the identity of it was and how it was supposed to happen and, and what was supposed to happen in facilities like this. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, we were just filling a void or I was just filling a void at that time and through high school, I really didn't have a lot of direction and, and, you know, I don't have a grand story of like why I started it or what I was doing. Um, really, we, we were kind of making it up as we go. And I just know that it was everything that I wanted it to be when I was in at the age groups that we deal with primarily, um, which, you know, is like 11 or 12 to, you know, 18, maybe some in some cases, 19. Um, and and I wanted to create a space that people wanted to be in. And, and you know, more, more in the realm of like guys that wanted to be really big, I say guys then, but now we, you know, we have a lot of female clientele at this point. Um, People that wanted to be, you know, better performers than they were. Didn't necessarily mean they had to go to professional sports or something like that, or they wanted to be in college, but they wanted to be the best player on their team at the moment that they were, you know, playing or contributing. I've had a number of athletes who were fantastic performers in high school that decided that they didn't want to go on to college because it wasn't their you know, their direction. And I think when people look at 2SP now, they think a lot of times that it's it's a space where I got to go to like, go to the next level or whatever. But really, I, I, at this point, what we're looking for is motivated people that want to be top performers at the level that they are, whether that's JV or freshman or varsity, doesn't matter. So um you know like I said not a not a grand story just wanted to create a space where um young athletes wanted to come and 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 I didn't have that when I was coming up and um I think uh, I think it's still uh a, a, you know I think we got a great spot you know every year we seem to have more more athletes and um I think it's the spot where people want to come that want to spend a lot of time we're we're built like a casino for kids like we just don't you know we just we don't have time limits and we're, we're very time positive. And I think a lot of spaces, uh, a lot of companies in our industry are really time, you know, they're, they're very time, like, Oh, 60 minutes and you're out. And, and and that's not what I'm looking to do. You mm. know, so, That's
1: great.
0: It's interesting. Uh, you know, 2001, the timing, you know, of it all, because, over the last, you know, twenty, thirty years, whatever it's been, and Doc, you and I have talked about this on, on other episodes with you know some of the rising, uh, you know, champions we've had on, where athletes more and more are choosing one particular sport, going down one pathway. At a certain point, I mean, I, you know, when I was younger, I had to pick soccer or, or baseball. What was I going to do? You know, one of those. During that same season, I ended up going with soccer. You know, whatever. But more and more athletes are doing that. I guess how much did that contribute to? you wanting to do this and you get a lot of just, you know, athletes that are singular focused on one sport or do you get a lot of multi-sport performers?
2: Most, uh, unfortunately, we get a lot of single sport athletes. Um, I would tell you that in my career in really the business, you know, when I really took off by myself was around 2007. um, The, uh, I, I feel like more so now, we're seeing a lot more singular sport athletes. So specialization is super high at this point. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing and I think it's a curse at the same time. Um, I would tell you that the majority of athletes that have, I've seen, I've seen now I've seen kids, you know, Drew, Drew's grown and, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's moving on, um, you know, going back to 2001, 2002, I've seen, uh, uh, four, uh, almost three full, three full, almost four generations come through. So they've, you know, they've, they started when they were like, you know, let's say 12 and they've, they've gone through college at this point. Um, When, when I started, I saw a lot more, um, you know, Hey, I play football and I play baseball or Mm -hmm. I play basketball and I play baseball or, you know, I play hockey and I play baseball. It's actually a really common thing um, or was a common thing. Um, not so much anymore. I think everybody feels like they got to get ahead, and really, um, it, it's it's not an awesome thing because uh, sport variation at a younger level is way more important than anybody will ever realize. Especially, you know, when they're in the moment, they don't realize it. But you know, eight years later, they're like, okay, I get it now. And and that sport specialization actually drives a lot of the pathology that we see at an older ages. So. Um, an example would be, hey, I, you know, I have, uh, my hip lab- I have a hip labral tear in hockey or I have a low back, low right, um, uh, let's, let's say a spondylolisthesis of, of my right side from uh, excessive throwing or hitting because I only rotate one way and right. they don't have any variation. And, they, and really at the – I like to use this analogy a lot, but at the onset of, um, you know, them doing those exercises over and over again, they don't see it a lot. But if I were to take my hand and pound it against the wall thousands and thousands of times, eventually my knuckles are going to start to bleed. And that's what really happens And and sport variation when they're younger is really one of the most important things to activate muscles that they don't use. So a, a quick example would be if I'm a baseball player and I constantly rotate one way and then I go and I play hockey or I go and I play, and I'll use a great example in a minute. You guys will love this. Um, I go and I play soccer. I'm using all angles of my hips. I'm using all angles of my lower legs. But when I only play baseball, I only drive one groove pattern. DJ LeMayhew, five years with me, plays hockey all off season, almost three or four days a week.
1: So, so smart.
2: It, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable to watch. We use it as conditioning. We use it as variation. Um, and, and, he, and he's a four-day-a-week consummate trainee when, when he, when he gets into it. So yeah. um, just to give you the highest level example, and he's not the best athlete I've ever come across, not even close. And he'll be the first one to admit that but what he <laughs> knows is he knows that, Hey, look, if I give myself variation, I give myself enough rest, I give myself enough recovery that I'm going to perform at the highest level. And he wants to play until he's 40. So. You know, it makes so
1: much sense, Joe, because, I mean, we, you know, Kyle and I have talked about it before, but just the amount of burnout that I see in my office uh, from yeah. athletes, you know, because of that one sport or that one-dimensional athlete. I mean, I know you've grown up, and I know Kyle and I have talked about it. You know, we played sports every – whatever the season was, that's what we played. And, and so you really never got bored. You never got burned out. And I never remember any of my friends being injured you know, seriously injured because we were constantly, like you said, rotating different ways, using different muscle groups and things like that.
2: And if you were injured, the mitigation process was what was much shorter. Yeah. Because you had, you had those other tissues that you incorporated or there were things that you were doing that would help you heal faster. And what happens is with these one sport guys is they only know how to move one way and mm-hmm. they can't fix themselves.
1: Yeah. And that becomes
2: a huge problem.
1: Would you say it's like there's no balance in their, in their Zero system? Zero balance. That's right? the
2: whole problem. And so when you see these other guys play other sports and they do other things, um, they naturally create balance in their system. And, you know, if you look at the whole body as just one organism and, you know, this arm moves this much and this arm moves that much, you find balance with other opp- – we'll call it opportunities through um, – Gameplay or practice or variation of, of movement. So, you know, I, I, you see it heavily in lacrosse. I mean, I deal in four sports primarily now. So baseball is actually probably my second sport at this point. Yeah. Um, Hockey is my first sport. And then lacrosse and soccer after that. And we, because they're all rotational, we see um, a, a, a set of injury within each subcategory. So, you know, there's going to be these problems that we naturally see in baseball, these problems that we naturally see in soccer. Um, so that, you know, we know how to deal with them. But at the same time, I think if, if you know, an athlete became a two-sport athlete or they grew up as a two-sport athlete, um, they they see less of those over a given period of time. I, we, we were just talking about elbow injury in sport, um, in, in UCL particularly in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're finding is, is that those athletes that see a UCL sprain, strain, little league elbow, whatever, whatever, um, whatever pediatrician wants to diagnose it as they're seeing that later in life. And so it never really fixes themselves. It's the guy that gets the ankle injury as a basketball player in, in, you know, five or six years down the line, because it, it might've healed from rest, but they never fixed the issue. So they end up developing hip issues and knee issues and things like that. That be- makes
1: sense because, you know, that's what, that's what my injury was in, in college. My senior year in college was like, I hurt my UCL and never had the surgery because Tommy John wasn't that, you know, that popular back then in 1992 or whenever that was. Yep. And um it
2: wasn't good at that, that point. Right. It
1: wasn't even good. And you yeah. just didn't do it really quick. And, you know, that would have been it for me anyway. So why do the surgery? So I rehabbed as much as I could. And, but even today, like if I hit too many golf balls or if I do go about down to Florida and play a little baseball, it's still there. What you about know, it's, if it's not
2: cold as, outside? Or, oh yeah, for sure. Like,
1: well, that's just getting old, Joe. But <laughs>
2: well, we, you know, but here's the thing. You know, it's funny because uh, Jeff Jeff Criswell is uh, um, a, a sandwich pick for the Athletics from Michigan this this past season, and he was in today doing this. We do a reassessment every, you know, three, four, or five weeks, and he was in. He came back from um, from uh, um, what do you call it? what do they call it? The, uh, the winter ball? The, not the winter ball. But they did. Um, uh, instruction camp,
1: mm, instructional league. Yeah,
2: you know, before in the summer during quarantine, we were training, and you know, his his left landing, he's right-handed, so he lands left. He had real, you know, his ankles really fire. You know, it's just super locked up all the time. And the one thing that they told him was like, well, look, we want to really work on your stance, leg during your during the finish of your delivery. And it's it's just so coincidental that he during his career as a basketball player, that he uh, I think it was basketball. He played another sport that he he, he 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 basically described it as, you know, I sprained my ankle like 15 times.
1: Yeah.
2: And he goes, I haven't had any issues recently. Well, we've been working on a lot of ankle mobility and stability and things like that and how he lands. But it's just coincidental that they're going, Wow, that ankle's a little messed up. You're a top guy for us. We need to fix it. And he's like, well, oh, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean it's not messed up.
1: <laughs> right, right.
2: You, you right, know, right. And, and, you know, the guy's – the guys obviously he he got paid in the draft and and he's and he's a guy that they're really looking after and these are things that we're always trying to sort. That I find myself trying to sort out like injuries that happened ten years ago, mm. you know? and it's just you know it's 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 constant puzzle and where do you where do you place you know treatment the the treatment slash training plan model.
1: Yeah, so. it's amazing. You know, Joe, I want to jump into something that you mentioned a while back, and you mentioned the word motivation. And that's something that comes up obviously a lot in my field. And I'm of the belief that your motivation needs to come from within. And I I know you try to motivate some of your athletes when needed, but I'm just curious on, on your philosophy or approach, especially with the younger athletes that, you know, we've all seen them. Some of them are softer than we'd like them to see, you know, to be. And sometimes they need a little kick in the butt. So I'm just curious on your philosophy and approach with motivation.
2: So it's interesting, you know, me 10 years ago versus me now, I, you know, I used to do a lot more yelling and, and yelling, but I was trying to be a little bit more influential. Let's put it that way. The, <laughs> That's uh, a very
1: nice way to say it. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. And, and now um, I, I find myself getting a lot of motivated athletes. Sometimes I get motivated parents. It mm. becomes an issue. Um, but I, because of the data-driven sport realm that we're in now, I feel like it's really easy to go. Are you here where you want to be? You know, with all the analytics in the world, it's very easy to show these athletes now. Okay, you, you know, you run a seven three sixty. The average guy at your position that's moving on to college runs a six seven sixty. How do we get to there? So before it was a lot more for me. It was a lot more. I got to. You know, externally produce that motivation, but now they can look at it and go, "Okay, well, here's the analytics that I have to be, and if I'm not there, I don't know if I'm going to make it." So I see a lot of self-driven athletes with that because it's so easy to get data.
0: Hmm.
2: Now the problem is, is that nobody knows how to fix. You know, <laughs> nobody knows how to cut off two tenths or three tenths or, or things like that. Um, but. Most of the most of the work I do, I feel like we can influence these guys um, positively by giving them challenges I feel like the athlete now is different than maybe drew was. drew was a lot more internal motivated he was like, man, I just want to play college baseball okay but now, I think a lot of the athletes are um, they're motivated because they, 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 they just kind of want to be better than the guy next to him, hmm. you know? And, and I think that's an easy out for us. We can say like, look, are you better than him or not? And here's, you know, here's, here's the speed that you throw, or here's how, you know, how accurate you are in your passing or, you know, and, and it's not, it's not as hard to motivate guys anymore because I think they just flush themselves out.
1: Yeah. You know, I, like I find him. that, you know, and I, I always talk to my clients about you got to motivate yourself by being better than you were yesterday. And so you can't control what other people do, as we've talked about many times. And if you keep comparing yourself to others, you're you're probably going to find something they do better than you, which is, which can be used as motivation. I agree. Uh, But I feel like, you know, the only thing you can compare yourself is to yourself.
2: So we, I use 1% better every day. Love it. Okay. So, you know, can, you know, did we, did we come in where we're at today? Are we just a little bit better? Because I feel like there are, there are a lot of athletes that don't know how to deal with the grind. And that's an issue, right? And so they can't come in. They, they want to make such large jumps that it's also pro it's almost problematic to their performance gain. So for me, Hey, you were, you were a seven, two, three today. Can we get into the seven ones at any level? It doesn't matter. And that, you know, speed related. So six, sure. seven, you know, can I get a seven, one, nine, and they're like, hey, that you know, that's not my goal. You know, I need five tens. I don't need it. Well, if you can't make that little bit of jump over a long period of time, you know, th- th- and that that's a, that's something I struggle with coaching every day. Is can, you know, over accumulated time, can I get a little bit better? And I can't make five mile an hour jumps. Nobody can sustain that. Right. Um, there's there's a lot of athletes that are super. You know, from the baseball realm, they're super focused in on I throw 80 how do I get to 88 well let's just get to 81 <laughs> and then let's get to 82 and then let's get to you know with stalkers of the world we can get to 80 83.2 or 83.5 and so what we want to do is want to create better averages over time
1: yeah I agree. instead of
2: trying to make bigger jumps and I feel like if you can get an athlete to buy into into that and they get one percent better every day ten percent over a month is a lot absolutely So, um, that's, that's how I've termed it. I think it's worked out very good. Um, I think it's worked out better for athletes that are committed over a long period of time. You do get a lot of athletes that I feel like they, they, they want to show and go. And I, and I don't, I, I, those are the guys that burn out. Those are the guys that you're talking about that are like, Hey, look, I think, you know, I, th- I think I failed and I'm going to, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to quit. Yeah. But I do think it starts at a younger age too. You got to build that car culture early. So now we're really committing to the thirteens and the fourteens and the 15 year olds saying, okay, this is where you're at. Where do we want to be in a year? Not where do we want to be tomorrow? Right. And I, I think that's helped us a lot because in the age of, I, I feel like now more, more so than ever, everybody's so like, um, you know, instant gratification is is a thing, and 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 it works in the performance realm. The hardest thing there is to do, and and you see this every day, is to create speed and power. It's not something. I think it's way easier to go in the weight room and hey, I want to bench press four hundred pounds, and I can do that a little bit quicker than throw go from seventy nine to eighty five, or go from seven point two to 8, uh, 6, 6.8 you know, on on a speed speed chart. So yeah. Correct
0: me if I'm wrong here, but one of the things I think that has changed so much, um, you know, over the last 20 years or so, especially, has been recovery, stretching, dieting, and honestly, whether you look at LeBron James, Tom Brady, you know, some of these athletes who are playing later and later who have been healthy and continue to perform at a high level, you know, the longevity longevity of it all, I guess, how much has that kind of gone into it? Because you think back to athletes before and there wasn't necessarily much of a diet. They didn't look as good, I don't think, as the athletes today. I don't know that they, you know, took care of themselves as well as they do today, as well.
2: You know, the, uh, Russell Wilson just—you've seen the Russell Wilson put something out, right? Um, you know, I, I think we're looking at data. The there, if you if you chart every athlete as a data point, certainly LeBron and Russell Wilson and Tom Brady are, are, are outliers on the whole thing. Yeah. But the one thing that I think is a great example of them is they're willing to invest no matter how much money it costs or whatever is, is that we're looking at every aspect and nutrition. If if you were to talk to the nutritionist of the Red Wings, who's fantastic by the way um, you know, creating buy-in I talk to her all the time. Uh, we, we would argue that, you know, 80% of those gains are going to be outside of the weight room. And I think that, You know, a lot of young athletes think they can lift themselves to 15 pounds heavier. And they (laughs) collect that that portion of like, what's my nutrition like? What's the quality of the food intake? Everybody wants to supplement before they eat. Like they're doing it all backwards. And for me, that's a part of buy-in that they have is you have the outliers like LeBron and all these guys, you have those kids. It might be at a different level, but you have the kids that are at the younger ages that are willing to go. You know, I'm going to skip McDonald's today and I'm going to take my time to make, to make dinner, or I'm going to ask mom, Hey, look, you know, I want to make a better choice. This is what we need. And they're going to research. It. And there's plenty of those kids out there. Um, I think that, that you have to, in, in the, in those cases, uh, be willing to invest And part of that is being willing to invest your time. I, I, I read about it. I, you know, I, I, pre- I meal prepped. I took my time to go see, you know, champions group to, you know, think about what, how am I going to organize my day? And I think you'll find that the best high school athletes are the kids that are organizing their time better. Mm. And that's something that's not thought about, right? Like I got to be able to do homework. I got to be able to go train. I got to (laughs) be able to recover. And then you flip in the recovery, right? Well, I'm going to take, I'm going to take time to, you know, um, do a bunch of self myofascial release. So I'm going to take a foam roller or or I'm going to do some, some acu ball pressure work in, or I have a massage stick that I'm going to work on my legs with, but everybody wants to skip all that and and do all the stuff. That's really fancy. I watched an 11 year old boxer today, work on himself doing a massage stick on his legs for five minutes today. It was one of the most, gratifying things i've ever seen because at 11 years old he understands how important that is
1: joe it's so funny you mentioned time because i can't tell you how many times i'm sitting across a young athlete we're talking you know high school kids yep that they have that phone in their hand all day long but they don't know how to use the calendar to schedule things (laughs) and mommy is still you know making their appointments for me for you it blows my mind because I'm, I guess I'm a little anal. I like to be organized yep. and taught my kids how to be organized. And it just cracks me up every time where it's like, you don't know where you're supposed to be. This is your career, not your mom and dad's.
2: They, they haven't taken, um, Created independence for themselves yet, yeah. and that's that, that is an issue because mom carries a bag to the field every day. Oh, I, I don't have don't a problem with that. <laughs> don't give me wrong. I don't have a problem with that. They can do whatever they want, but at the same time, at some point, you know they have to take responsibility for that. And and I, time is, I think time is the most important thing. Um, I feel like a lot of people failed during COVID. The, the the main quarantine there was there was a, a period of time that they had that they had no constraints yeah. and that this was a time where I I did nothing more than, than go I need to get better at my craft and I feel like a lot of people passed over that yeah. and it was a good learning po- point for me to know like hey look hmm, I got you know my phone in front of me and and now I'm trying to direct guys into, did you get your supplements in today? Did you get, you know what the, the best thing I've seen in, in probably 10 years in, in, in training is the, is the whoop or the aura ring. I don't know if you guys are familiar with yeah, that.
1: I've seen the golfers wearing the whoop. Yeah. That the band rest. Kyle, all the dollar band Kyle.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. So what it does is it, is it, is it tells you what your recovery and what your strain rate is. Now I wear a, a, a aura ring, which is a very similar product uh, when I sleep. And it tells us what my HRV is, body temperature, um, uh, respiration rate, uh, so how many, how many times I respire during a minute, and my resting heart rate. And which, what I found um, with athletes, and I'm getting, you know, they're 300 bucks. so there's going to be some sort of, some, some people aren't going to invest in that. Okay? Right. And that's fine. But what I found is that um, it's really waking people up on how they're spending their day. And in it's most of these, back to, back to Kyle's question, most athletes, 99% of them are under recovery because they don't sleep enough and they don't prioritize that sleep. And, and you don't necessarily have to sleep um, to, to recover, but resting, at, you know, I'm still, I'm watching a movie, I'm, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that can happen. They're definitely not taking the time to prioritize that. And I think it trickles down. Cause school is a stress. I don't care what anybody says. You got to sure. go, you know, the biggest time that we see injury rates go up is during finals or midterms.
1: Yeah. It makes total sense. Cause you're yeah. stressed out. And, and so you got that cortisol pumping through your veins 100%. and you don't, you don't have enough oxygen or blood flow. And that's when you strain your muscles and get hurt.
2: Every time you take a protein shake, it's going to drive up some of that cortisol and that, and those things. So they're, you know, these guys are taking, in my opinion, the best thing that an, a young athlete can take is a greens product, mm-hmm. something that's vegetable related, something that's non acidic. And, and, you know, going back, I mean, I could, I, we could, we could take this conversation. <laughs> I
1: was well, Joe, think. we've, we've covered a lot already. Yeah. And this has been, I I've learned and I've known you a long time. Oh, yeah. I've learned a lot tonight. And I think all of our listeners are going to find this information and their parents, especially very valuable. Uh, but so Joe, tell us a little bit more about how, uh, if, a, if a young athlete wants to work with you or your staff, you know, how can they find you and reach you? Uh, we want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So we, um, you know, we're in we're, our, our headquarters in Masson Heights. We actually spread out in a number of different facilities now, but um, we have four main facilities, the, our, our Masson Heights location. So you know we're we're happy to take people in here if you live close to here. Um, we have one in Shelby Township that's at uh, 23 and Van Dyke. We got one in Auburn Hills, uh, which is at um, which is at Updike and uh, Featherstone, uh, right next to where the old site of the um, Silver Dome was. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, one in the Waterford facility, which is at the uh, Prime Prime Athletic. Or, um, Prime,
0: Prime
2: It's it's right on Elizabeth Lake Road and Telegraph. Gotcha. And um, we're just getting started there. really. Williams- We've been there for a couple months, right out there. We thought it was going to be a better fit and it will be. For That's sure. the old, uh, Michigan Red Sox facility. Old Michigan Red Sox facility. Yep. Gotcha. And, gotcha. um, basically website, Instagram is where we get most of our uh, inquiries at. We're not really on Twitter uh, anymore. Um, Facebook is another place you can find us at 2SP sports as our handle. Great. Um, you know, if you're an athlete that just wants to be really great where you're at or really wants to move, um, you know, move up in your career, uh, we're taking those athletes. Usually our athletes are 12 and above. I got a whole nother gym. It's called swag kids gym. I'm gonna plug it real quick. Sports workouts and gymnastics. We're in, um, we're in uh, um, West Bloomfield on uh, telegraph and Haggerty. We take 12 and down there. It's awesome. the most fantastic thing you've ever seen. Um, it's all about physical literacy at that point, the missing link of PE classes in the youth realm. Um, so we started that last year Um But uh, for us, uh, you know, I take uh, professional athletes myself, high-end high-end high high school athletes, uh, but I got a great group of trainers. We got 14 strength coaches on staff. Um, You know, we do anything from speed development, so individual speed development, small group to team-based training. And, um, you know, we're loving every bit of it. Uh, Our our biggest satisfaction is when our athlete comes back and they've accomplished what they've accomplished no matter mm what. It's the best
1: feeling in the world when they accomplish their goals with your help.
2: Hey, I, you know hey I made the team or hey you know I, I, I got to a college that I wanted to go to and you know I was able to secure some scholarship money or whatever which is not always the first the first goal right. you know and I want to go to a place where I feel really great about going and that's the be- those are the best athletes to work with um, not that you know hey I transferred and that's great you know but I, hey I went there and I had a really successful um, you know one of one of the most successful stories, just real quick, uh, Jason, because I know you know this, Ian Kobernick.
0: Yeah. Is one of my
2: favorite athletes that ever that ever came through. He was one of my first clients. He went to Kalamazoo College, was an All-American. Played you know, with Drew. Set freaking every record. You, you, <laughs> he was very undersized. Nobody had yep. a chance. And, you know, he was a great role model to anybody that came through after him. And, you know, he, he has a great career now um he, he you know he's wor- he's working in Chicago and, and just fantastic kid those are the kids that we really really like and you know I, I get to work with a lot of great athletes too and and that's fantastic but I think um people uh that gets overshadowed sometimes you know the 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 Ian next of the world the Drews of the world where they really just had a great career and, and they loved every minute of it and they went on and and they you know, have families now and it's, it's fun, you know? Yeah,
1: it is fun. fun. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being on. This was outstanding, great information and great perspective on, on sports and um, playing multiple sports and, and health and nutrition and, uh, and how the body works. So we really appreciate your time.
2: Yeah, no problem guys. Definitely. Thanks for having thank me. You.
0: Thank you for listening to the rising champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.